0: Apart, apart, and apart, a you are, and a part, a part, and a part, a you are. Man linked to fire that killed seven people in Montreal's old port has a long criminal history and set it while out after escaping from prison. The Vancouver police arrest two people and raid an office and two houses while hassling the Drug User Liberation Front's safe supply work. Radio Canada Investigation finds that many temporary foreign workers are still being charged exorbitant fees to come to Canada and at least 27 dead in Mexico after Hurricane Otis slams its Pacific coast. Good morning. It's Friday, October 27th. It's Friday. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. News first from Montreal this morning about the man who La Presse has connected to the fatal fire that killed seven people in that city's Yoport. The people were living or staying in shoddy apartments built in a heritage building, many units that had been turned into illegal Airbnbs, where hallways led nowhere and there wasn't enough fire escapes. Radio Canada confirmed that Denis Beguin is seen on security footage running away from the fire after an explosion and flames. Beguin is 63 and has been previously convicted of murder. He was also, as CBC reports, quote, on the lam for four years, unquote, after having slipped out of custody at a minimum security jail. On February 15th, 2019, Beguin escaped a minimum security prison in Laval. He wasn't caught again until this year in May. But just before he was caught on March 16th, the old Montreal fire broke out. And side note, I had started with the CBC report based on a Radio Canada article, but in English, it doesn't didn't make sense to me how they were working with their timelines. They weren't putting in years at the end of months, and I was like, what are you talking about? So halfway through the story, I switched to the original story from La Presse for the original report, written by Danielle Renaud and Vincent Larouche. Beguin was given a life sentence for murdering a young man on Halloween night in 1993. Now, this story is pretty weird and horrifying. Beguin wore a Jason mask while committing the murder. It happened at a bar in front of horrified Halloween celebrants. He tried many times over the years to break out of prison. Prison authorities found many plans that he had constructed over the years up until 2015. Beguin was interviewed about the fire last spring, but he used a fake name and the Montreal police didn't realize that it was Denis Beguin, a man on Canada's most wanted list. He pretended to be someone who was homeless and known in the neighborhood, but a police officer who knows the people who live in the neighborhood identified that Beguin was not who he was saying he was. He was arrested for breaking out of prison, but not yet for starting the fire. And since he was arrested, he's been back serving his murder sentence. Big has a long history of criminal behavior. He has said that he's murdered other people before and has been convicted for arson, fraud, theft, extortion and drunk driving. He also has connections to the drug trade and biker gangs. Next, to Vancouver, where the Vancouver police have arrested two people involved in the Drug User Liberation Front. This group provides safe drug supply, but they don't do it legally, which, of course, bothers police who care more about the law than they do about life. Police raided the group's office on Hastings Street and two other residences. The article for CTV by Andrew Reichel gives the first comments to the police who try to suck and blow at the same time. They talk about how they, quote, understand the magnitude of the ongoing overdose crisis and the impact drug toxicity deaths have in communities throughout the province, including here in Vancouver, unquote. But then they still had to arrest these people because they have, quote, publicly admitted to trafficking controlled substances, unquote. Weichel notes that the police, quote, could not provide the quantities, unquote, of the drugs that the police say they seized, which was, quote, possible heroin and cocaine, unquote, which, by the way, is super weird, because if they did a huge drug bust, like they have said that they did... They should be able to provide that information right away to journalists. But I digress. When journalists asked Inspector Phil Hurd if he was worried that their decision to raid the front's office might lead to people to take more dangerous substances, he said this, quote, that's definitely like an unintended consequence that we don't want to see. That's not something we're ever trying to achieve. We fully support safe supply, unquote. Ah, Hurd, but you don't. Because otherwise, you'd be raiding the offices of the most energetic lawyers in the city for trafficked cocaine. Anyway, Wychelle contacted two founders of the Drug User Liberation Front for comment, and one replied to say that they wouldn't comment. The two people who were arrested were immediately released without charges. They haven't been identified. The drug user Liberation Front sells drugs that they test to make sure they aren't poisoned. They say that their work has led to fewer overdoses, reduced drug use among some folks, and no associated deaths. British Columbia has about 5.6 deaths per day due to toxic drugs. Next, to a Radio Canada investigation into how much money Filipino workers are forced to pay to to come to Canada through the Exploitative Temporary Foreign Worker Program. In Quebec, most temporary foreign workers come from Guatemala, followed by Mexico. But in third place is the Philippines. The investigation by Chantal Levine follows the story of Anne-Lee Natchez, to highlight just how much people have to pay to be able to come to Canada through the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. When Natchez first left the Philippines, she went to Hong Kong, where she could be able to get some experience and come to Canada faster. After she had been in Hong Kong for six years... She was led to Emily Chan, the owner of a group called the Hong Kong Canada Nanny Employment Consultancy. She was connected to Montreal lawyer Leon Ben and had to pay $5,500 for his services, an amount that is equal to a year and a half of salary in the Philippines. Anne Lee borrowed the money from her family and arrived in Montreal in 2019. She was lucky to have access to this money to get her here, but of course, not everyone is. Then there's a story of Jesus, who fell into heavy debt trying to come to Canada to work, which was his dream, and hopefully someday bring his family. He was asked to pay about $15,000 to find a job in Canada. He's worked for 16 years outside of the Philippines, and he's been all over the world. In 2019, he was in Saudi Arabia, where he heard about a man in Montreal who could bring him to Canada. Jesus worked as a truck driver and was connected with Sergei Korsanov, immigration consultant and recruiter, in particular, a specialist in the trucking industry. Korsanov works with Alfredo Escandor, who is a trucker and Filipino, and together they operate a company that does not have a permit to operate in the Philippines as a recruiter. It's illegal in Quebec for employers and agencies to ask for recruitment fees from temporary foreign workers, and it's been illegal since 2020. Companies also need a valid permit from Quebec's Workers' Health and Safety Board, the CNR-SST. And the federal government has the same policy, but Radio Canada has found that forcing temporary workers to pay to come to Canada is a practice that has not yet stopped. Korsanov has been paid between $2, and 3000 dollars per trucker by trucking companies that he places they also have to pay for market impact studies that the federal government insists on per employee lawyers in the article argue that the law might exist to try and stop fees through this process but it has no teeth or it isn't enforced and so this kind of exploitation continues to happen Employment and Social Development Canada told Radio-Canada that they received 565 complaints related to recruitment last year. The CNRSST told Radio-Canada that they didn't know if they've received any complaints. Neither Canada nor Quebec issued a single notice of violation of the law and finally to mexico where hurricane otis has killed at least 27 people the storm hit mexico's pacific coast it was a category five storm when it hit acapulco and the state of guerrero the storm rapidly turned into a category five picking up strength very quickly before slamming the coastal region the storm also knocked out communications which has hampered rescue efforts Alcapulco's airport is shut down as the storm knocked out their control tower and blocked road access. Those are your headlines for Friday, October 27th. I'm Nora. Listen, you're in Winnipeg. We got tickets for you. We are coming to Winnipeg on November 24th. West End Cultural Center. Get your tickets at thepointofsale.com. Just search Sandy and Nora live in Winnipeg. We hope to see you there. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and everywhere, anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you have some time off. And as always, I'll talk to you on the other side.